The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, so tonight the way I'm going to introduce a practice um, to working with emotions is a practice, the Pali term is Vedana. And Vedana is a general term that references feeling tone, the feeling tone. So not like the distinct emotions, but the feeling tone being either pleasant, unpleasant, or sort of like not really either, neither. And so uh, it's, it's, it can be a very helpful way to work with emotions if we just sort of simply notice, oh, is this a pleasant, unpleasant, or sort of, I don't even, neither emotion. And then we can turn toward more working with the pleasant, unpleasant, or the neutrality um, instead of maybe getting carried away in the emotion itself. So one of the things I said in the first class is that emotions, um, according to Jill Bolt Taylor, who wrote a book, My Stroke of Insight, who was an um, MD researcher or neuroscientist, the chemical lifespan of an emotion is up to 90 seconds. So if we can allow the emotion to move in and move through, its lifespan is pretty short. And so what, what, what it, why do they feel longer? Well, we have emotions about our emotions, we have thoughts about our emotions, and these things trigger and re-trigger the biochemical you know, equivalent or response that's part of that emotional expression. So one of the things that's helpful is how do we attend How do we attend to our experience, especially obviously difficult experiences, be they extremely pleasant because we're grasping to them or extremely unpleasant? But there's also this whole middle ground of things that we're not really noticing that actually could be important for us to, to see. So this practice with Vedana sort of helps us start to tune in to our relationship to and this can, Vedana practice isn't specific to emotions, it's to really any sensory experience. But tonight the focus here has been on the emotions, and so we'll apply it in this way. Yeah. So we're going to find our meditation posture. And the idea with our posture is to find a posture will support ourselves in staying alert and awake to what's happening, staying present, yet relaxed enough that we're receptive. I like to take some deeper breaths when I'm starting. I like to roll my shoulders up and back to counterbalance from my phone driving and computering. I like to have my, you know, knees on the floor, my feet on the floor, my hands resting for me on a pillow, but wherever it's comfortable and not pulling on your shoulders. 
Ideally, your knees are lower than your hips. And maybe with the next inhale, inviting an uplift in the spine. Letting the chin stay down, but the spine and the top of the head, almost like there's a string, gently pulling, lifting, lifting, lifting. And see if you can just find the rhythm of your body, breathing. Noticing where you're feeling the breath. And if the breath is really shallow or just in the chest, not coming into the belly, consider moving, stretching again, or taking a few deeper breaths that pull the breath into the belly and relax the belly. Let your bellies hang out. Maybe trying a three-breath journey, just feeling the fullness, that full experience without any interruption of the inhale, the pause, the exhale. And if there's a pause, and then feel that beginning of the pull for the next inhale. Sort of riding your breath like you would ride a wave. Inviting the mind to help you tune in to the experience of breathing. To invite a sense of connection and calm. Relaxing around any thinking that happens. Thinking happens, it's okay. As soon as you have recognized the thinking, you're already back into awareness. You're already where we're aiming to be, which is knowing. A simple, connected knowing.
In moments like this, you might just hear a train sound. Or car. Just softening and relaxing around the breath and whatever is arising. Letting yourself settle like a snow globe that's put down. Being aware of your body, feeling the pressure on the cushion, groundedness. And I'm going to share some images, some words. And I invite you to just gently notice, be really noticing What happens in your body? Can you witness your body's response to these words or images? The first image is sunrise over the ocean. Just notice how the body 
resonates, responds. Sunrise over the ocean. overflowing garbage can. Laughing children playing. Lonely person in a rainstorm. Vibrant cityscape at night. color red a skunk Misty forest at dawn. I'll have a few more words to say and tracking the body and then noticing Is it possible to detect if there's a neutral, an unpleasant, or a pleasant feeling tone in the body in response to the words? Being curious. An old couple holding hands.
small city zoo. Stormy seas with crashing waves. The Buddha guides us in this practice by saying that the key is to observe this Vedana without attachment or aversion, just understanding the nature of pleasant, unpleasant, and neither. Fire engine racing down the road. We might notice all kinds of responses, tingling, tightness, contraction, leaning forward, leaning back. Just observing. So as you continue to practice in silence, The invitation is to recognize the feeling tone in response to whatever's arising, thinking, emotion, sounds, smells, tuning in, seeing if you can recognize your response in a very simple way, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And how, O bhikkhus, does a bhikkhu live contemplating feeling and feelings? Here, O bhikkhus, a bhikkhu, when experiencing a pleasant feeling, understands, I experience a pleasant feeling. When experiencing a painful feeling, she understands, I experience a painful feeling. When experiencing a neither pleasant nor painful feeling, they understand, I experience a neither pleasant nor painful feeling.
Sometimes it's easier to use the word liking or not liking. What did you notice? What did your body do when you found um, an image or a thought that happened in your own mind or pleasant? What did you notice? There's some mics on the floor. Please um, turn them on and share them with each other and use them to speak into. Is anybody willing to share anything you noticed? I know that for me, I remember doing this and I felt my body rocking forward and backward. I was like, whoa, look at that. And like my body was literally moving, you know, leaning into what it liked and pulling away from what it didn't like. I see some heads nodding. Anything else? Yes, Anne, please. I'll go. What I noticed is some of these images, there's both, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the sunrise over the ocean. Part of me says, oh, that's pleasant. But when I think of the actual times I've watched a sunrise over the ocean, the sunrise has been blaring in my eyes, and that was unpleasant. So yes. it was both at the same time. I love it. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that in myself, too. Do you mind saying your name? Sure. My name's Aaliyah. Um, hmm. <laughs> I lo- noticed lots of things. Sometimes the background feelings were much bigger than mm-hmm. the foregrounds that you were saying. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like the feelings in my body are not, don't feel like completely contained by like my body. They feel like going around here or sometimes going up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the third thing was sometimes I was feeling like, I guess what I'd call it is like kind of like deep equanimity. And then I was like, is that a pleasant feeling? But it felt also neutral. But then I was like, is that the object of 
is that the same as an emotion? Should I name it? And then I was like, well, why do I feel the need to name it? Maybe I'll just name that. Nice. Maybe, but <laughs> which one? <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is great. These are this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Brahma Viharas and equanimity is one of those are said to be the only emotions worthy of having by some teachers. So, right there, you know, you have um, equanimity classified as an emotion and. You know, they're um, divine abidings, divine emotional abidings. But they are, equanimity is a really interesting state, that neutrality state. And there's, a, there's actually also this thing that maybe some of what you are noticing is there's, there's delusion, sometimes there's a delusion present where we're just tuning out, like it's not interesting. And so there isn't really a, a felt sense of a response. I'm sure I've experienced that plenty. But I think what I was experiencing is like a fear was coming in. Like I was like, oh, I was like in this like equanimity state. And then it was like things didn't have the same meanings that they had anymore. And like meaning mm, dissipated yeah. and like the things dissipated. So then this like fear came up and it was like, we better figure out what things are and like what their names are and what's going on in this room because otherwise probably you'll die or something. I don't know. <laughs> so that was, that felt like the impulse was like a fear, but I'm, I've talked enough, but thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. That's a um, wonderful share. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please Don. Is this thing on? Cool. <laughs> uh, for like the pleasantness, unpleasantness part, um, it felt like once I started trying to observe or like name what was pleasant or unpleasant, everything just short, sort of shifted to being like gray. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, how do you want to experience it? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and then your first instinct is like, oh, make it pleasant. So like it just right away shoots somewhere pleasant. So it was just this weird, mm-hmm. this thing like, oh, I didn't realize I'd like always have these like few filters before actually like letting it go somewhere. I love that filters, right? Like there's so like many filters and, and then we get involved, right? Oh yeah. The, it, we want it pleasant, you know? And so it's great observing, you know, really a, great, great observing Don. Yeah. Is that enough? Do you want any more of a response or is that, that no, good? No, great. <laughs> Yes, please. Please hold the mic very close to your mouth like an ice cream cone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. My name is Nicole. My question is that when the what's happening when I'm experiencing unpleasant emotion. I really feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and um, I'm I'm reading a lot. I'm I'm familiar with a lot of you know philosophies, and at the end, Buddhism is what um, you know accepting as the solution <laughs> to this life. And um, I have this tendency to get rid of 
any unpleasant emotion. Pleasant is fine, you know, I'm happy, I'm calm. But unpleasant is just, I'm just trying so hard to even, I meditate to get rid of it. Yeah. Although the advice is to hold it, to look at it, to observe it. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> as I'm doing all that, still is unpleasant. And it's just I'm attached to this, and I don't want to be attached. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'm not, I don't get anywhere with it, and it's, it's still there. And I totally uh, located right here. It's just heavy and unpleasant, sad or something. About. And the other thing is that I try to bring all kinds of ex- reasons for that. My childhood, my my relationship with this person or that, or mm, this is not what I wanted in life. And I, I bring a lot of reasons. And, and I last week I was meditating with Gil, on thinking, mm-hmm. so um, I'm trying to figure this out. And don't feel it. <laughs> don't try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. I, I really try to, but uh, sometimes, sometimes I'm not um, getting. I don't get there. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you know you're witnessing your own conditioning your own patterning. And uh, you're certainly not alone in what you're describing. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we tend to make ourselves a lot more, we tend to create a lot more suffering by you know, the, all these actions that we're trying to do to figure out and fix and change and, yes. you know. So on a really simple response, a really simple response with keeping to the Vedana, it can be very fascinating to start to, you know, one thing that can help is to notice the inconstant or changing nature of the feeling tone and the experience you're having. Start to see that this is always changing and there's different conditions that are happening that are affecting the, the experience of it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And that, in, you know, I read that quote from the Buddha, right, where it was, um, you know, experiencing it as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Um, where was it? I don't know. I can't find it now. But it just in this very very simple way just really simply understanding it just understanding oh this is what's happening this not me not this ego but this is the conditioned response it's like some of us have a certain set of responses to the sunrise we have experiences that have accumulated over time or a very strong experience that it automatically gets associated with this idea of a 
morning sunrise. And so we have both pleasant and unpleasant Vedana. Another person, no, just unpleasant or just pleasant or neutral. We're all different. And that that Vedana, that response, has to do with our own experience, our own conditioning, you know. And it's not to be taken as me or mine, but really a, a witnessing of, wow, what? What is this? You know, like it's fascinating. And our, please know, our response can change dramatically. There is, it is quite possible to find yourself having a completely different response to something than you have previously had. Especially as you grow the wisdom to recognize the suffering that reactivity is causing you. Especially as we start to see, oh, look at Nicole, you're describing, I am making myself miserable. (laughs) And we start to get disenchanted. And so there's a little more space, a little more room. What happens when we think of something as pleasant? You, You mentioned this. I think, Don, you mentioned this a little bit, that there's a tendency to lean into it or wanting to create more of it, to grow it. Ooh, ooh, you know, like, right? And, and this is a form of clinging. This is a form of grasping. And we're trying to take something that's ephemeral and changing and, you know, blow it up and magn- and hold on to it and you know it just doesn't work it's going to change right what happens if we just let ourselves be moved by a pleasant experience just ah oh, wow receive it and let it come in and go out and have it let it have its own freedom and then what happens when we think something is unpleasant it has unpleasant vedana we, you know, Nicole, you were describing it. You know, I want to get rid of it. I want to move. I want to fix it. I want to turn away from it. But this is clinging too. This is clinging too. There's no peace in this. And then what happens when something is neutral? We kind of ignore it often. when there's delusion in the mind. But in deep states of equanimity, I've actually experienced neutral things as kind of amazing, actually. Like, I I noticed things that were so neutral that were... Spirit Rock, who was it that just said they went there? There you are. On the table, there's that little strip of paper or something. (laughs) Somehow... In a state of equanimity, I was, I thought it was quite pleasant. It was quite nice to look at. One day, I was there eating breakfast, and I noticed everybody's getting all excited and going outside to see a sunrise. And I'm like, at the same moment, going, wow, look at that. (laughs) You know, about this piece of paper running down the middle of the table. And there was no grasping in it, right? There's... But there was this equanimity that allowed me to see it for what it was in a way that I couldn't see it when I was deluded. I didn't notice it. How many 
days had I been sitting at that table? I was a month-long retreat. How many mornings had I sat there? I never noticed this. Because there's this, you know, neutral or diluted relationship. So if, you, if we think about this, this conditioned response that isn't our choice tends to chase, have us chasing and running away and ignoring so much of our experience. So much. It can be helpful to kind of start to recognize our patterns. And one thing that can be useful is just to ask, well, is this wholesome, unwholesome? Just kind of another simplifying response. Because, of course, it's great to have pleasant experiences. It's wonderful. We should receive them. We need to have goodness. We need to have joy. And, and so just checking in, because if it's wholesome, we're not too clingy, right? We're not graspy, graspy. So that can help us also kind of moderate and, and tune in to our relationship, to how this Vedana is influencing us behind the scenes, impacting how awake and present we are. You know, sometimes in really precious moments, we're just tuned out. Please, 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 please. Um, can you just say a little more? Is what wholesome? Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on, whatever experience, like a the thought or an image or a feeling, you know, just is this is this a wholesome experience? Um, if there's, especially if there's a pleasant vedana, right? It um, can be helpful to catch it if we're starting to go into clinging, craving. This actually, in the, there's a series of dependent arisings that talk about the conditions that lead towards suffering, and it's often this is often taught as a place where we have the most capacity to get free from before we're really grabbing hold. If we can notice the Vedana response early on, we have the possibility, the air is cold. Oh, the light is flickering? It's too... It's pretty dark. Try it again, try the whole thing on again. It's okay for now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, did I answer your question? I got lost now. I got distracted <laughs> with the flashing light, which is starting to flash again. Okay. I appreciate the, you know. Yes, Don. Two questions. The first one is, what is equanimity? <laughs> Great. Equanimity is a word that means, um, a one I, word I like to describe is balance. Like really balanced. There's, there isn't any feeling of um, this wanting or not wanting. It's this complete balanced openness to whatever's happening. A complete, like, um, the equanimity phrases are, 
when you do a meditation practice, it's equanimity. Um, breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my mind. May I be open, balanced, and calm. May I learn to see the rising and falling of all things with equanimity and balance. So it's this capacity to meet experience without getting swept into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. And then I had a second question, unless someone else has something. (laughs) The second question is, um, so if, if you're supposed to take what's unpleasant and not avoid it, if that's your tendency, and take what's pleasant and not fixate on it, if that's also your tendency. And if, like, the point of this practice is to escape suffering, which is unpleasantness, isn't that sort of a contradiction? Like, why are you trying to escape suffering if the whole message here is, like, just... That's yeah. your condition. <laughs> no, no, I really appreciate the... I understand exactly why you would ask that question. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe I'll point back to this. When we have this state of equanimity, when we're able to be open, um, we still have wisdom. We still we we actually have so much wisdom, so much freedom and choice to respond to whatever's going on, and we don't cause extra suffering for ourselves. We're not moved and motivated by these inner pushes and pulls. Another thing to say is often there is in the these instructions to be with like I I share just be with it you know try not to respond. A lot of that is actually um we well it, part of it is that we're practicing. Right? Because until we are or, or unless we're in a state of equanimity, we actually have to exert restraint. Because these compulsions are happening all the time, but there is there are states and experiences beyond uh, free from these compulsions, and that's part of what we're moving forward forward for and what we're practicing for. So maybe for now it's enough, Don, to think about when you sit on the cushion. It's like going to the gym. And your weightlifting is to hold back from agreeing and disagreeing with liking and not liking. To try and hold back from reactivity. To try and practice observing with as much awareness and clarity as you can. And compassion, because it's not always easy. And that... That, that as we can do that, we get free of these unconscious pressures that are dictating how we're all responding. And then maybe we have access to some deeper wisdom that knows how to respond in a way that truly leads to freedom and well-being. Is that an okay response? Okay. Great. Yes. Can we get a mic up to you? Do you mind saying your name for everybody? Yeah, hi. I'm Namita. Namita, N-A-M-I-T-A. Hi. Thank you. It's a great topic. Um, one of the things that I think 
Can you hear me now? It's good? Okay. Um, so I suffered a sudden loss a few months ago, and my life turned upside down. And even though I'd been meditating for two years with apps, etc., I was not prepared. However, um, thank you. However, um, I started, um, I brought myself around to watching the emotions mm. go through, to let the fear mm. work, work through, the sadness, grief, whatever. Um, and then I, I think, I know there's a question somewhere. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things I think is that between that's what was, which was happy and which was your life or whatever, and then the rupture, um, you're on the other side of it. So the gap between the two is so much that when you mm-hmm. eventually come to that place of neutrality, mm-hmm. it feels empty. Mm-hmm. So it may not be as intense, mm-hmm. but it's still meaningless. Mm-hmm. There's a void. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk about that, because that's not equanimity. Right. Because then yeah. what are you doing? You're either going back to the happy place or you're back to grieving, because at least the grief, you know the grief. It's yours. Yeah. It's familiar. Yeah. You know, and it's something to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Yeah, I I um, appreciate what you're describing and um, what comes to me. So we'll, maybe we'll just kind of go back and forth a little bit and find our way here a little bit. But what comes to me when you say that is that um, there's a liminal space. There's a space between then and now, or what's next, and. Um, part of what happens in that space is there can be a, a, a very, I'll use the word ego, uh, self kind of confusion. Who am I? You know, like there's, there's a, it's unknown and uncomfortable. And then there's a fear response, which I think you mentioned in a similar way, that the this fear can come up or this angst or this, um, or detachment, um, a, a flatness, and um, actually just like learning to witness and watch this process, and and maybe for me uh, words like in between, in between, not knowing, lost, something that helps put a little bit of a a frame around what what I'm experiencing in that zone. Because it it really is a phase, a stage. It is a process that uh, it's very disorienting when we have a major abrupt loss. And it takes, it's amazing how much we create a sense of rightness in the world based on what we're accustomed to. And so when that rightness is gone, we're, there's a lot that in the frame, in the mind, that is left kind of loose, dangling, looking, looking, searching, and of course, in some cases, not finding, right? So there's this not finding. 
Is this resonating for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're saying stay with that space of not finding. Yeah, and be clear that that's what's happening. I think it can help to just kind of, oh, oh, not finding or lost or, you know, just really trying to like, wow, okay, this is interesting, reaching, reaching, you know, searching, whatever feels right, a simple frame for you um, that helps you just be with that experience. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks. So, let's let's meet in small groups. So, if you can move your bodies around and find um, about three people, um, there's sixteen total. Oh, then maybe we should do groups of four. Okay, thank you for counting, Richard. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Can I turn it off for a little bit? Can we yeah. go down? The, the, the option is just turning oh, yeah. that light out. It's too dark. I've been trying to write it. Yep, thanks for... Yep. It'll be like kind of New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go out in the hall and talk if you want a little more light. So just find some um, people you don't know and go meet them. And um, What? Oh, thank you, Richard. Yes, New Year's Eve, I'll be here teaching from 6 p.m. till 10.30 p.m. or 10.15. So please come. We'll have an evening retreat. Um, it'd be, no huh? No we'll, we won't do it. No, you know, I can't stay awake that late. <laughs> it's too hard. So, But we will do, we'll ring a bell 108 times, which is a tradition. We'll sing the Metta Sutta. We'll... Um, Bring you bring a poem or a song to sing or some something inspiring a story you want to share. Everybody gets a chance to share, and so there's sitting, there's a little walking, there's a little dharma talk, there's a little chanting, and there's a little bell ringing. You know, it's it's six p.m. Um, for half hour to meet and greet, meet meet new people or see old people. You know, and then. Sitting at 6.30 to 7, then Dharma talk from 7 to 7.30, then a short sit, and then a little walk, I think, and then, yeah, the schedule's online. Thank you. Yeah. All right? Okay. So when you get your group of four, please do introduce yourselves and say a little bit about your relationship to IMC, when the last time you were here, or, you know, something like that. And then I'll give you a, a, a question um, to discuss. So here's what I want to invite you to to talk about. I want you to imagine what would happen if you were really tuned in to this pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral response you were having in your daily life. What kinds of things might you become aware of? What might you notice? And where might you find you have more choice, more freedom? Does this make sense? So what would ha- I want you to imagine, just pretend, I know it's pretending, but imagine it was easy to track this and you were really aware. 
what do you think would, would be revealed? What do you think would happen? How might that change you and how you are responding to your life? Is that a fair question? Reasonable? You can engage? Great. Go for it. So, how was that? Where's the mic? Where's the mic? I want to hear you say that recorded. (laughs) Yeah, it was nice. (laughs) What was nice about it? Yeah. um, um, First, we started talking about the unpleasant and pleasant and so on, and we we ended up we ended up <laughs> yeah good good sorry it's the ice cream huh? <laughs> and uh, at least for me was that we we brought the issue of fears mm-hmm. and, and I felt like I was I'm afraid of this unpleasant feeling and uh, then I was ta- I was listening to one of the videos uh, by and Gil was talking about fear, and uh, that stop stops us from being authentic mm-hmm. and true to ourselves, and we don't express it. We we're afraid mm-hmm. of that unpleasant and that. Sometimes it shows up because of the fear. And then he said, face it. Express it. Express it. And that was powerful, right? We ended up talking. He had, we all talked about it. And we agreed that this element can be looked at and be expressive about it mm. be honest about it i love it there's a there in one of the suttas this is kind of what the buddha says this leads to you know by recognizing the inconstant nature of the vedana we see that contact is inconstant feeling is inconstant perception is inconstant consciousness is inconstant and then i love this her mind his mind, their mind, with Vedana, properly as its object and support, leaps up, grows confident, steadfast, and released. I love that. So powerful. It's the freedom. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I have a little poem to read, and and then we'll do dedication of merit. And the clock just ticked. I was going to say maybe there was time for one more, but I'll be around if anybody wants to share afterwards or ask a question. So I'll read the poem. It's called Never the Same, and it's by Rosemary Traumer. Sometimes a person wakes believing they are a storm. It's hard to deny it, what with all the rain pouring out, with all the rain pouring out of the gutters of the mind, all the gusts blowing through, all the squalls, all the gray. But by afternoon, it seems obvious they are a garden about to sprout. By night, it is clear they are a moon 
luminous, radiant, faithful. That's the danger, I suppose, of believing any frame. Let me believe, then, in curiosity, in wonder, in change. Let me trust how essential it is to stumble into the trough of the unknown, marvel how through marvel how through becomes wings becomes faith becomes math let me trust uncertainty is a sacred path so may we all trust uncertainty yes all beings everywhere trust uncertainty Thank you, thank you, thank you.